This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie, brought to you by Killer Podcasts, an evergreen podcasts network. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre, and tries to find an answer. Uh, hi, Caroline. How are you? Doing better. Yeah, Doing better. We're back from a, a week off. A uh, we, we took a little sick <laughs> vacation last week. And we, we were like, oh, we have an interview. We don't have to take a holiday break. Everything's good. And then the holidays happened. And, uh, and then as, we all got sick. Yeah, I assume some of our listeners, this will also be the case, because it seems like everybody's sick right now. Yeah. So, Not COVID for us. Probably a really bad sinus infection. Well, my whole head was one gigantic obstruction. So that oh my God. feels right. Yeah. I felt like I had a bowling ball on a toothpick. And... I mean, you know, listeners heard me last we- in last week's little uh, uh, check-in and the week before. And I um, couldn't even crawl over to the mic for that one. Yeah, so, you know, my brain was fried, my body was fried. Um, but we're back now. Mm-hmm. And we're Happy back. Happy New Year. <laughs> ha- Happy New Year, a uh, couple weeks late, and we are, well, a week late. And we are starting with a banger, Carrie. Starting with a really strange and sordid tale. Mm-hmm. Um, to kick off another year of Ain't It Scary. Uh, today, Carrie, we're talking about, well, I'm titling this episode Lobster Boy, The Violent Life and Death of Grady Styles." Ooh, I feel like it's weekly world news. It has a weekly world news kind of a quality to it. Love that. And, you know, we're not pointing and laughing at the uh, deformities or conditions of anybody involved here, obviously. No. Uh, but it, this is a carnival story. It's well, really, it's a freak show story, and therefore, it is a story full of colorful folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're not here to judge them or to make fun of them. Well, judge criminals for well, sure. Grady Styles is a real piece of shit. We'll get to him <laughs> in a second. Uh, but this story is a, I think, a fascinating little peek into a mostly bygone world. This thing of traveling carnivals and sideshows and freak shows, in particular, a thing. You don't really see so much anymore, so... Probably for the best. So let's take a, a, a tiptoe back into decades past, Carrie, and into the uh, sordid world of carnival freak shows with the Lobster Boy. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty famous story. You've probably heard this story before. I have. I definitely saw a long time ago, obviously, but like... Um, there's, an e ho- there's an E True Hollywood story, I think. There's not an E... I think there's an He's E. He's not famous. I, I, I think there's an E thing. <laughs> uh, no, I think it was like a des- destination, um, investigation discovery thing, because this is a very memorable cast of characters. So I remember seeing something on TV about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it does play well to a visual medium, because as Grady Styles found in uh, life, his, uh, his appearance was uh, striking. Sure. Uh, Grady Styles Jr. was born on June 26th of 1937. He was the fourth child of Grady Styles Sr., go figure, mm-hmm. and his wife Edna. Now, as we've kind of hinted, like his father before him and five generations of Styleses before him, uh, Grady was born afflicted with ectrodactyly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also called cleft hand. Or um, maybe more properly, more recently, split hand foot malformation, SHFM. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a you know genetic disorder that causes your hands to kind of form in a V shape, often missing some of the fingers, or almost as if some of the fingers have fused together in development. So um, sometimes, as in the Styles Boys case, this gives the appearance of kind of lobster claws. Now, doesn't the penguin in Batman Returns have this? 
Yeah. I, I don't know if they use the word, do No, they? I don't think so. But I think he has like just basically- Just because I was born a little different. <laughs> just, I think he has basically like three fingers- yeah, he has like flipper hands. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of like Grady Styles Jr.'s hands, but he didn't have thumbs. So he just had two kind large. Of a v. Yeah, two okay. large fingers on each hand. So sort of a permanent uh, live long and prosper mm-hmm. Vulcan salute thing going on with no, no thumbs. Mm-hmm. I'm not a crook. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, he also had shortened legs that ended below the knees in sort of malformed, tiny little feet that he was never going to be able to walk on and never did. Oh, okay. Um, so Grady lived his whole life not being able to walk. He would use, he'd get around in a wheelchair generally, but apparently he often preferred, especially at home, getting around by just pulling himself along the ground with his arms, which he could do with shocking speed and which uh, over time pretty quickly lent him almost superhuman like upper body strength. So he's this really strong... Um, man with these with these sort of uh, two-fingered um, claw-like appendages at the end of his very, very big, strong arms. I think there's always this kind of patronizing tendency of even the most best, you know, the well-meaning people. I'm right here. <laughs> no, to, um, to perceive someone with a physical difference or a mental difference as, like, someone to pity, you know? Like... Oh, you know, too bad for them. Um, and maybe not believe that they could be capable of such terrible things just because they've had such adversity and, you know, we're sort of conditioned to think like, oh, that, that'll make you a better person and, and things like that. So, well, I mean, th- th- he's just this like beastly guy, right? And he has this physical difference and it probably makes people... Give him a little more slack? Give him more slack and also just not um, expect the worst from him, you know? But also probably, and this, you know, uh, can weigh on a person over time, certainly not expect the best from him. Uh, Right. You see, Grady Stiles Sr., as I said, also had this same condition. Mm -hmm. And he had capitalized on the bad hand he'd been dealt. Um, Oh, Sean. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) By performing in a traveling carnival as the Lobster Man. I mean, that's what a lot of people had to do when they had these um, physical differences. They couldn't get work elsewhere uh, for one reason or another. And well, in, in the freak case of- shows and sideshows were an option, even though they weren't a great option a lot of the time. In the case of Grady and his father, you can't walk. You, it's, yeah. it, it is probably a pretty difficult I mean, you, you adapt to use those hands, but they're not Dexterous. suited. They're not suited to yeah. all kinds of different work. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he did what he could, and he made pretty a pretty good living as the Lobster Man. Mm-hmm. And when Grady Jr. was just seven years old, uh, I think the other kids were born without um, ectrodactyly. Um, oh, so he was the only one. I think so, because the other kids didn't join the act, uh, mm-hmm. and he, Dad was certainly. Uh, he he was a stage dad. He, mm. When Grady was just seven years old, his dad started bringing him out on the road and uh, putting him out on stage, too, as the lobster boy. Of course. So you've got kind of a lobster uh, family going on, <laughs> foreshadowing. Um, the lobster family comes later. But uh, right now you've got, you've got lobster man and lobster boy out there on the road. And this, at seven years old, started an entire life for Grady Styles Jr. of basically being pointed and laughed at for money. That's such a hard life for a kid. I mean, I know he turns out to be a piece of shit, but like as a seven-year-old, that's so hard. Yeah. You uh, don't understand things. And even when you do, it's um, there's a lot of people being terrible to you, I would imagine. Uh, that's right. Um, yeah, let's talk about freak shows. Uh, freak shows were really popular. They had become immensely popular over the course of the 19th century. Um, because, I don't know, they just kind of went very well with a very Victorian kind of, we're going to catalog all the information in the world and look at these rarities and oddities. The morbidity and the curiosity of it all. Yeah, and in that light, you She's know, got a beard, can you believe it? Yeah, even paying customers lining up to fork over money to P.T. Barnum to see little people and, quote, living skeletons that were just like starving people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a, a monkey sewed to a fishtail that he said was a dead mermaid. Um, 
it almost seemed noble because it was this like pursuit of enlightened information and knowledge. Yeah, it was weekly world news in real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think it was seen like upper class people were interested oh, in this yeah. stuff too at the time. Um, by the 1940s, when Grady Stiles Jr. was entering the biz, uh, modern science was increasingly medicalizing these conditions mm -hmm. and looking at these as possibly treatable conditions and certainly not something that, you know, you're going to help by pointing and laughing at them. And um, so while this change was slow, as we, I think anyone familiar with everything, mm -hmm. with history and culture in the 20th century, this change was slow, but everyone did start to look around at each other and feel bad about pointing at the uh, dog-faced boy and laughing. Yeah, as they should. And maybe more honestly about ourselves, and more importantly, a TV also came out and became pretty popular through the 50s, and that made it way easier to bring the wonders of the world into people's homes instead of having them, you know, maybe go to a, a traveling carnival or, or, or what have you. And uh, if you think about it, Carrie, all of these, like, TLC reality shows and stuff, that's the freak show now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Uh, step right up, step right up. You have the, the thousand pound girl and the giant pimple. Watch it be popped. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this family's all dwarves. This family is so big. Yeah. I mean, you, we, they're just a top hat away from, from a full P.T. Barnum over on TLC. Yeah. Well, which, which almost makes me want to like them more. But <laughs> The Learning Channel? You, yeah, The Learning Channel. No, you don't want... I've, I've watched too much Duggar content... Uh, no, but recently to I mean they're no, but just comparing them to my favorite liar in history, Georgie Damsky. No, P the P T Barnum. Oh, you have you have a lot of famous uh, or favorite liars, and that should probably concern me. Well, sure, you have to start with Odysseus. Oh Jesus! And Christ. you just go on from there. Um, I should mention just because uh, listeners might uh, remind us if I don't. Sideshows, I wouldn't say freak shows, but sideshows have made kind of a resurgence since the 90s in a postmodern, gothy, pierced kind of a way. Mm -hmm. More um, of a, and there's a burlesque show on the side too. Exactly right. And um, and with kind of a winking, is, look how old timey and fun this is. A lot of, yeah, a lot of piercings. and. Um, didn't you go to that Flight of the Concords, Dave Chappelle, like comedy? No, that was one of your thing? other bitches. <laughs> no. No, not with me. I knew you didn't go with me, but I thought we had both uh, gone to that show. Okay, never mind. They had at the at that tour because it was themed around like circus stuff. They had a sideshow, and uh, they had like guys pounding nails into their nose and a sword swallower. Oh yeah, I used to watch a bunch of those on Ripley's Believe It or Not. That was one of my shows that I would watch every week as a kid. Is that Dean Kane? Um, <laughs> and th there was always someone suspended from hooks in their back. And every time I watched it, my mom would walk in and walk right out. <laughs> nope. She would nope on out of there. Mm -hmm. um, now, dwindling popularity or no, with regard to the you know whole freak show scene, uh, Lobster Man and Lobster Boy were a sensation wherever they went. And uh, they were the central act of the show in all the carnivals they worked in. They made pretty decent money. Now, what did they do besides have weird hands? Uh, well, like, did they do anything? Any stunts? Yeah, I think Grady uh, Sr. would talk to the crowd and he would go, look at my son and I's deformities. This, this is not the result of surgical, uh, you know, uh, surgical trickery. Okay, so that's a good 30 seconds. This is, he would explain that this was a condition that had afflicted his family for hundreds of years, and his son would kind of flop. Did he crack walnuts? What did he do? No, they would just kind of be there and be looked at, and they would flop around on the floor and show people how they could get around. And uh, Grady, I think, would lean into kind of the bestial nature of this and like, argh, argh, menace. Snap at people? Yeah, menace onlookers and stuff. Snap his claws at them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. It's the lobster man and the lobster boy. I mean, you got to give the people what they want. It's a living. So one day while he was flopping around on stage and <laughs> menacing the uh, crowd, Grady caught the eye of a girl named Mary Teresa. Uh, Mary had run away from her home as a teenager, and she was now, like many runaways, uh, working with the carnival. She wasn't a performer. Uh, I guess she was a grifter. 
And I don't have more detail than that, but but that would mean, you know, she ran the little crooked guess your height games, Mm -hmm. or she distracted marks while they got pickpocketed by other people who worked for the carnival, Mm -hmm. generally talked people out of their money. She was a, you know, scam artist. Okay. But paid by the carnival to be one. And she saw Grady Jr. snapping on the floor and thought, that's my man. That's for me. (laughs) Well, remember, he's the star of the show. Well, the younger one. Yeah, he, he, this is the younger one, but it says he's coming into his uh, manly age. Mm, very, like, a teenage Groot situation. He's ripped. Remember, he's friggin' jacked up top, and she sees him... Arm day every day. She's, <laughs> it's only arm day for Grady Stiles Jr., and she sees him um, crawling around up there, and she, she likes what she sees. So the two formed a quick bond, and before long, Mary Teresa was Mrs. Lobster Boy. God bless. Get mazel. Mazel. Uh, and abs- after Lobster Man retired, Grady became the sole star of the show. Still boy? Yeah, still Lobster Boy. Mm. You know, you can't, you've got a brand. Yeah, of course. You don't want to betray your brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would rebrand in a few years when he had some kids of his own. Don't worry. <laughs> I was petrified. Um, we talked about how hard this must have been. And apparently Grady Jr. never betrayed hurt feelings or uh, said he felt, you know, he never talked about regretting his career choice or anything. Um, But it couldn't have been easy to just make your living for, your again, your whole life, for decades and decades, um, just being pointed at. Being a freak. Yeah, being a freak, exactly. Um, And so while he never complained about it, Grady Stiles did start leaning pretty heavily into the bottle. Hmm. And Mary Teresa would later say it didn't take her too long. It was within the first year of their marriage that she realized the man she married had a violent temper. Hmm. I mean, (laughs) men of his age and era already were not dealing with their emotions. And then you add in this whole other factor that he probably can't relate to a lot of people about. Maybe just his dad and his dad's pushing him in front of an audience. Yeah, he's got a lot of repression, probably. Yeah, you would imagine. And he's uh, he's pouring it into the bottle, and as often happens, then his feelings would come out in violent outbursts. Now, this didn't stop the couple from having three kids, uh, two of whom, Grady the Third and Kathy, both shared their father's condition. They both had ectrodactyly. They both had the um, the hands, mm-hmm. the family hands. So a few years later, when they were old enough, Grady Jr. pulled the two kids into the family show business, show, and uh, throughout the 60s and 70s, they were making between, I guess, 50 and 80 grand a year, which is really good for the time, mm-hmm. uh, touring the country as the Lobster Family. Mm-hmm. So um, when they weren't touring the country and flopping around on stage and my children and I are afflicted by a condition that has affected our family for hundreds of years. Behold. Um, they would go to this place uh, near Tampa Bay, a town called Gibsonton, Florida, which. Oh yeah. What? There's a, a lot of, um, there was, I don't know if there still is like a big community of, circus performers and and things like that down there yeah i, I know from the x-files you see oh i see i was like how do you but know it's from real life gibsonton yeah it was um me knowing about sideshows yeah it tracks for a long time you're right carrie gibsonton was known as kind of the winter quarters mm-hmm. for basically i guess all of the carnival folk in the u.s or most of them, or a Florida's lot of them. Florida's a weird place, Sean. Well, I read up on this. It was one of the few places with zoning for circus animals on residential property. So it was just one of the most oh. convenient places to go if you had a bunch of circus animals. Or are the Tiger King. Yeah, sure. Well, I don't think he lived here. He should have. This is this would have solved his problem. Probably. Uh, in the winter, like the rest of the circus workers, again, basically across the country, Uh, From what I understand, Grady and his family would hunker down in a mobile home community called Bullfrog Creek in Gibsonton and uh, wait for the next season to start. And Grady would drink. Just like all winter. Yeah, pretty much pretty much his main activity. Neighbors would later testify that they frequently heard screams from the Stiles home. Mm hmm. Uh, Grady drank whiskey, apparently. Mary Teresa would later say her husband was a really great guy when he was sober, 
And that that was exclusively between the hours of 8 and 10 in the morning. Oh, God. He also was smoking. And he's just smashed the rest of the day? And smoking cigarettes just end end. He smoked 60 cigarettes a day. Oh, my God. He must have been flammable. Well, with the with the breath and well, flammable, and with a with a fire <laughs> yes. next to his face all the time. Um, once he was good and good and blitzed, the slightest provocation, back talk, an imagined look—you know, you, he thought you looked at him the wrong way—would cause Grady to. He'd be sitting in his wheelchair or on the sofa, and then he would throw himself onto oh, the God. floor and go, 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 crawl across uh. to you and throw himself at the offending family member using his claw hands to choke them uh and, and to they were just probably massively strong yeah again he has these big python arms and he's just uh, slapping whacking and oh choking with God. his claw hands uh, and apparently one of his favorite tactics was gouging at your eyes oh jesus yeah uh one time he was assaulting his wife he was assaulting mary with such violence that kathy his daughter who was pregnant at the time, tried to stop him by rolling her wheelchair in between her two parents. Uh-huh. And then Grady turned his rage on her and beat his pregnant daughter so badly that he induced labor. The baby was born safe and healthy, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Um, also with uh, ectrodactyly. What a monster. I mean, like... On the one hand, you you're sort of looking at yourself, thinking of of this this guy coming at you, like with these claws, like trying to choke you, yeeting up from the floor, no legs, and so you're like, no, you you shouldn't you shouldn't judge, you know, like don't well, don't think it's freakish, but like he's making himself a grotesquery. Yeah, well, like it is uh, monstrous. As he had done professionally for so many years, you're right. It is. It is something out of a horror movie. The the image of 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 him like quickly dragging himself across the floor toward you, and then just like shooting up at you is oh god. Um, by 1973, Mary Teresa had had enough. She claimed, this is brutal, that the last straw was when they were having a fight. And Grady had used his claw to rip out her IUD. Oh my God! What? Ugh. R- ripped out her IUD. He's got very long fingers. Oh my God! I'm crossing my legs so hard right now. It's I can't. I, I literally can't imagine. But uh, it, I, I know that when they're put in and taken out. Uh, you know, surgically, surgically yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy. Oh so. my God. Um, what a monster. Ugh. So you can't blame her for leaving the nest after that. No. Um, but unfortunately this would leave Mary Teresa's children completely at the mercy of Grady's violent rages as now his only targets. Yeah. And he apparently only became angrier and more controlling when he heard Mary Teresa had gotten remarried. Mm. Uh, by the way, she got married to Harry Glenn Newman, who was also a circus performer. Uh, he was a little person who was billed as the midget man and the smallest man in the world. Huh. She has a type. She has a t- She loves a performer. She loves the star of the show. She does. Um, Grady, for his part, actually would also marry again, but it didn't last long can't imagine why um i do you find with i mean with serial killer stories all the time they always have multiple wives how are they scoring these ladies um i would imagine it has a lot to do with their proficiency for manipulation and the type of people like they choose people who are easily manipulated right just like they choose victims because these are victims in a way and um yeah, I think I think it's just a combination of they probably love bomb at the beginning. You know, they know what they're doing, and then they they kind of get you in the trap. But yeah, it's always shocking. Well, this wife didn't take too long to wise up. I don't even have her name here. She wasn't around long enough for us to catch it. Um, but with her gone once again, Grady Styles' children were left to bear the brunt of his rage mm-hmm. and. When we come back from the break, we will see how that rage uh, manifested itself in its most deadly form. And um, 
you might be glad to know at this point, Carrie, that we will eventually see some um, pretty severe comeuppance for Grady Styles as well. So all of that after the break. All right. Listen to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. It's a fun show about weird stuff. New episodes every Wednesday, yeah, eggheads. I'm Art. And I'm Andy. And Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time is a podcast about conspiracies, the paranormal, UFOs, unsolved mysteries. We're going to be discussing the Kennedy assassinations. Oh, yeah, that's his nickname, finger-banging Bob Lazar. Give me some aliens with some good frickin' spacecraft. The whole enchilada. (laughs) The only thing bigger than Bigfoot's feet are our egos. If you like simulation theory, ancient history, egghead science, and Mandela effect, that kind of stuff. So check it out. New episodes every Wednesday. All the links you need on MrBunkersConspiracyTime.com. And we'll see you in the bunker. Welcome back. Uh, when last we left you, we had just gotten to know Grady Styles Jr. Carrie, uh, what, what are your thoughts so far? Nice guy? You know... It's, again, one of those situations where you feel bad about their circumstances, like a Guito or a Manson, you know. But some people have had terrible circumstances and have become great people and helped the world and everything. You don't even necessarily have to do that. You could break even. But he just really leaned into being grotesque, being just terrible. Absolutely. And with, uh, you know, I, I think we could say the, the closest thing he had to a love of his life, uh, Mary Teresa, having left for a... After uh, horrible physical abuse and mental abuse, for sure. Extreme physical abuse uh, for the smallest man in the world, Harry Glenn Newman. Shocking that he was intimidated by the smallest man in the world in any way, or jealous. Well, I think he, he was jealous. He wasn't intimidated. It's probably more of a slight to a, to a, a macho drunk's <laughs> ego. Yeah, he's even shorter than me, and I have no legs. I have, no, yeah, I have half legs, and this guy's uh, uh, smaller than I am. Yeah, what she'd rather doing? be with him. Uh, I promised we would get to the most violent repercussions of uh, Grady's violence or of Grady's of Grady's drunken rages before the break, and we are going to get to that now, Carrie. Uh, in 1978, five years after Mary had left, Grady's youngest daughter, Donna. Uh, fell in love with a boy. She was in her late teens at the time. And this young man's name was Jack Lane. And Grady, apparently, did not approve of the union. Um, It was an underage marriage. So, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. But not crazy at the time. But not crazy at the time in 78. eh. Um, Not Mm. with the permission of the parents. Yeah. But more importantly, it you know, Grady seems like a guy who liked control a fair bit. And... If anything, she's probably desperate to get away, and marriage is always the easiest way to do that in these kinds of situations. And a Grady Styles is going to see right through that, so he had refused to give his consent for the wedding, but uh, they were going to go ahead anyway. Mm-hmm. And so finally, the night before the wedding, this is a little fuzzy, but Grady and Jack had arranged to meet and talk the night before the wedding. So one imagines... Maybe Grady had given Jack reason to think he had changed his mind or that he could be convinced to give his blessing. The manipulation. So uh, Jack Lane showed up at Grady Stiles' trailer to, uh, you know, have this talk. And Grady immediately shot him in the back with a shotgun. You didn't tell me he had guns. Well, of course he had guns. Yeah. He's a Florida sideshow freak. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, my God. Shot him in the back? Shot him in the back with a shotgun, yes. Killed him. Oh, my God. There was very little question about who had done this. It was a pretty open and shut case. Uh, supposedly, when he told his daughter that Jack was dead, uh, Grady had an evil grin plastered across his face. <sighs> and she said he told her, I told you I would kill him. What a bastard. Oh, my God. Um... And thus we move to, in a way, one of the least dramatic trials we've covered on this show. Um, Sometimes we make a real meal of a trial uh, account because they're funny or they're interesting or the people are putting up impassioned uh, defenses of why they did not do something that they clearly did. Um, There's none of that here. Grady did plead not guilty to murder, 
Um, but just because he was claiming he had shot Jack in self-defense. Uh, in, in the, the back. back. Yeah, okay. Kid, come at me. <laughs> Oy. Uh, his legal team seems to have spent less time trying to prove the self-defense thing, and certainly no time at all trying to prove that he hadn't shot the kid. Everybody knew he had shot the kid. Mm -hmm. They were more trying to inspire pity in the jury, mm. focusing on his condition um, and the life of mockery he had endured because of that condition and the damage to his body that his lifetime of smoking and drinking had done. Uh, well, that was a choice. It was a choice, but there's no question that Grady at this point already suffered from some pretty severe liver cirrhosis and emphysema from all of the smokes and, and whiskey. Good. <laughs> his defense team also focused on his claims of remorse, which I'm sure were very genuine. Yikes. Uh, in the end, Grady in the end, Grady Styles was found guilty of third degree murder. I don't know third degree. I don't know how it's only third. It seems so premeditated. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon murder. <laughs> third. That's like if you asked someone else to shoot a gun up in the air and they accidentally hit someone when the bullet came down. Yeah. Um, anyway, he was convicted of murder, but he was sentenced to 15 years probation mm. when sentencing wrapped up in 1979. And that's mostly because there was literally no institution in the state that was set up to care for him. He's all messed up anyway with the emphysema. Just let him die. Just let him die on his own. Wow. But he wouldn't. He would live for decades more. They usually do. On probation, uh, Grady would go through... I'm going to call them occasional bouts of quitting drinking. Uh, but for the most part, testimony from his kids later on suggested the violence was as severe as ever, if not worse and more constant. Those poor kids. And he's, so he's the only parent still in the picture. Yeah. And Do the, they spend time with their mother? I don't think she's been around at all. I think she's been hanging out with, with Harry Glenn. I mean, on the one hand, you can't blame her. He was so physically abusive. On the other hand, you're like, well, you're kids, but it's such a hard line to walk. And we're also at a point where these kids are adults. But even after... But even you're, you're trying to get away and he shoots your best chance of getting out of there. The, and that was Donna. Or Grady the third and Kathy both have the same condition their right. dad does. So they're financially dependent on the show. Yeah. And therefore, their connection to their father. Must have felt so hopeless. A really tough situation. And uh, we'll check in with Grady the Third a little bit later on in this uh, show. He wasn't a fan of his uh, dad. I think that's almost a direct quote, actually. <laughs> um, now, a decade into Grady's probation, so we're now in 1989, a once again single, Mary Teresa, walked, waltzed back into his life. In the interim, um, she and the world's smallest man had conceived and had a son, Harry Glenn Newman Jr. Now, Harry was of normal height. He didn't inherit his dad's height, but he wanted to follow his father into the sideshow game. So he ended up making a name for himself as a blockhead. Oh, yeah. And that's the act where you hammer nails, or in Harry's case, he would do nails, but then his specialty was ice picks. Oh, Jesus. And you, what you do is you hammer these, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, through the nostril and into the nas nasal cavity uh, until you get the nail, you know, solidly just all the way in there, the head resting against your nose. The trick here is our noses look like they go up, right? The nose bone goes up. So you go, oh, the, the nostril just keeps going up. But actually, the nasal cavity goes more or less straight back into our heads. So it's... it's Don't try this at home. Well, no. <laughs> But I'm telling you how these circus performers do it is is you can just insert an object straight back. And the main thing is your sneeze reflex will be triggered. But with practice, you can suppress that and eventually just tap a nail straight back until it hits the back of your throat. It's kind of like the the idea of sword swallowing. It's like, you know, the right technique to do it. You can do it. But if you don't, you'll really mess yourself up. Yeah. Well, and don't hit too hard with the hammer. I would I would say that, too. Uh, to, oh, the, to the audience, even though the nail's just passing through a perfectly straight, perfectly safe channel, uh, to the audience, it looks a lot like you're just pounding a nail into your friggin' head. Yeah, to my mother walking in on me watching Ripley's Believe It or Not, <laughs> that's what it looked like. She faints, faints away on the oh. floor. Grady, at this time, was in the midst of one of his relapses of sobriety and uh, managed to convince her that he was a changed man. 
Mary would later suggest it was at least partly motherly sympathy and maybe a little guilt uh, for her children that brought her back, you know, so there was some other figure in this family. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably don't need to tell you, but I will tell you that Grady didn't stay sober for long. Yeah. And pretty soon after the couple were remarried, the violence had started again, just as bad as it ever was. Mm. So by 1992, three years later, Mary Teresa had once again, well and truly had enough. Mm-hmm. After a particularly violent outburst from Grady, um, she reportedly said to Grady the Third and Glenn Jr. that, quote, something needs to be done. Okay. What happened next? Accounts differ. Uh, on a 2014 episode of the AMC series Freak Show, you might have been watching this with your mom. Uh, your, your mom might have walked in on you watching oh, this. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, she wouldn't have watched that with me. Um, Grady the Third said that Glenn heard their mother's comment. She just made an offhand comment. Glenn heard her say that, took matters into his own hands, and mentioned to a neighbor kid, 17-year-old carnival worker Chris Wyant, who... Uh, also did have some local organized crime. I mean, he was like a criminal kid. He mm-hmm. like had connections to gangs in the area. Um, and so Glenn went over to him and told him that, quote, something had to be done. Okay. And Grady says, my brother thought that meant scaring him or beating my dad up or something to make him realize he was going to lose his family. This is like a game of murder telephone. Well, yeah, that's what Grady says. But when Glenn eventually confessed in a police interrogation... Uh, he added that he had also given Wyant fifteen hundred bucks that his mom had given him, uh, along with uh, instructions to bring things to a quote beneficial conclusion. So they're trying to have this teenager like perform a hit on him. Yeah, I mean, I well, mean, the, the justice system did fail them miserably. So, so fifteen hundred bucks is like more than three thousand dollars in today money. Yeah, and it does sound like a big payday to just scare somebody. It, you know. Yeah. I think this is probably a hit, yeah. Um, in case it needs to be said, and I mentioned this before, but Grady Stiles, yeah, said he is, quote, not a fan of his father. Uh, he said he was racist and abusive. Um, and he said, when I cried, he was like, I'll give you a reason to cry, which I think my dad said that. Sure, but he didn't have, like, beefed out pincers trying to rip out your eyeballs while he did it. No, not once. <laughs> Just the one time, actually. <laughs> Um, so, Grady Stiles Jr. was sitting in his underwear, in his trailer, smoking, as always, a cigarette, and watching uh, television, when Chris Wyant watched through his window for a little bit before bursting in with a semi-automatic pistol and shooting him twice in the head. Okay. He was dead. That was the end of... I, you know what? I wasn't sure because it feels like he's mutant. like a bad penny, you know? You have to... Yeah, you have to... You burn him, you poison him, you have to do the whole thing. You so. throw him into the river. Yeah, I was expecting... And then he got up and he went at it after him and... Okay, so he's dead. No, in a way, and and maybe this... You know, maybe this makes you reflect on the, on the way we all end, Carrie. Um, <laughs> this incredibly weird and sordid story ends like all stories do, a little anticlimactically. It's two shots in the head, and that's it for Grady Stiles Jr. Mm-hmm. He was so widely disliked in his community that reportedly only 10 people attended the funeral. Mm. They couldn't find a single person willing to serve as a pallbearer. <laughs> so that job had to fall to grave diggers and the funeral director. That's brutal. That's a brutal indictment on a life right there. Yep. Yep. If we are the people we leave behind, then Grady Styles wasn't And that would have been an easy coffin. Yeah. Well, it's short anyway. Well, I mean, it's just certainly not as heavy. He's, remember. He he, only needed a couple pallbearers. Remember, he's Stallone up top. He's got pythons. I know. But still, couldn't even scrounge up one. Now, the police do have to investigate a murder, even when everybody really hates the guy. They can't just go like, ah, well, he he sort of deserved it, so it's fine. Um, And obvious suspicion fell on Grady's family, because no one had more of a reason to hate the guy than them. Glenn Jr. spectacularly failed a polygraph, which led to the aforementioned interrogation. 
And that led to Glenn folding like a moving box and spilling the entire story immediately and putting Chris Wyant and his mom in the frame. Mm-hmm. So the three of them were all arrested and all charged with murder. And in 1994, Chris Wyant was convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to 27 years in prison. He was released in 2009, but I have no idea what's happened to him since then. Uh, Mary Teresa was convicted of manslaughter and conspiracy and sent to prison for 12 years. She got more punishment than Grady did even actually shooting a guy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) He shot a guy right in the back. Wow. Manslaughter and conspiracy, 12 years. She would eventually, she was uh, released in 2000, though, so she served six. Still more. Still more time in jail. Because he spent none. Yeah. And she returned, against all odds, to Florida. Uh, I don't think there's... A lot of odds against that. See, everybody returns to Florida. Well. And uh, Glenn was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life. I don't know why when he what? wasn't he wasn't the trigger man, but he gets the first-degree murder sentence. Did um, Chris, like, plea or something and, like, turn? None of them took plea deals. Everyone went to trial. That's really weird. Yeah. Chris got second-degree murder, 27 years. Glenn got first-degree murder and life plus 12 that's crazy. I mean, I don't think that's typical. Even if he was the one that put out the hit and it was just him, he's still not the person who actually pulled the trigger. Yeah, it might be. Maybe they managed to sell the story, at least partly at trial, that maybe it wasn't what Mary had meant and that uh, Glenn had taken matters into his own hands. I don't know. That's weird. Well, he died behind bars in 2014. Florida, man. Florida, man. And that's the story of Grady Stiles uh, Jr. That's uh, the, the uh, again, I, I called it a sordid tale. It is sordid. He was a sordid man. He was a, sor- he was a sordid man. We're probably, oh, it's a, we're all better off that he's gone. <laughs> um, don't do murder, kids. But also, you know, don't physically abuse people. <laughs> and, and you're right, Carrie. There's something deeply unfair about all of those people serving more time than Grady himself did. Right. But uh, it does put another nail in the same uh, lesson, I guess, kids. Don't do murder, even if you have a really good reason. Yeah. Official stance of the podcast. Don't do murder. introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. It's time for a Crying Saucers Lizard People Big World crossover. Friends, our usual top of year prediction roundup will have to wait another week because this next story is one of the craziest things I've seen in the last couple months. Wow. Now, I, I've kept myself as virginal as I could on this story. Oh, it, don't. Ew. It's been all over the internet, um, but yeah. I have tried not to spoil myself. Because you knew I was covering this. Because I knew you were covering it on the pod and I wanted to be fresh. So mm-hmm. lay it on me, Carrie. What is this amazing sighting? A conspiracy theory is spreading online that little green men are among us, or maybe tall green men, and their first stop was Miami, baby. Well, sure, it's a beautiful city. (laughs) Great food. 
After a huge contingent of police responded to a reported brawl occurring at the Bayside Marketplace Mall on New Year's Day, some started to theorize that the intense police presence was not because of a fight, but because of a shadow alien invasion that had begun at the shopping outlets. Define shadow alien. Is it shadow aliens they or is the invasion the they shadow? They keep part? calling them shadow aliens, shadow alien invasion. I don't know why they're calling them shadow aliens. Maybe the invasion's the shadowy part because the government's keeping it quiet. Well, that's the thing. Several overhead videos of the scene were posted to social media, and in the footage, many pointed out that they saw strange-looking figures on the roof of the mall. To these posters, the figures appeared to be seven to ten foot-tall creatures of some sort. Ooh. So maybe tall, skinny grays. And some of the videos attempted to highlight the figures in question. Now, to me, I can't really quite make anything specific out of uh, the main video that was really highlighted for this. Um, looks like something maybe larger in height moving on the mall's roof. But, Sean, what are your thoughts? Here's like, and they're all always, you know, filmed on a potato, these videos. <laughs> so, like, that. See it? Play it again. And that's like the roof, I guess. Well, there's definitely some kind of a distortion there, but I'm not even sure if it's a solid figure. Well, here's another... Here's another angle. Can you make anything out a little better there? Yeah, that one actually looks like he has a little hand going... So to me, and to a lot of people, this looks, and again, it's so potato quality, this looks like three people walking in formation. Oh, interesting. Let me see uh, it Like again. literal three dwarves in a trench coat sort of thing. <laughs> but, um, but like walking side by side. You can kind of see oh, different you're right. feet, I think. Yeah, because that's not a wall next to them, is it? It's more like a slope or a staircase? Yeah, I'm not really familiar with the area, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah, if that thing was a steep pyramid or, or a wall, then mm -hmm. it would be it would look like a thing moving in front. I think it's an optical illusion. I think you're right. Now, admittedly, the police presence was pretty massive considering it was officially reported to be just a bunch of teenagers fighting and lighting off fireworks at the mall, and that's what a few arrests were made well, for. Well, that can, that can um, bring a lot of police depending on how bored the police are and the color of the teenagers sometimes. Well, yeah, there's that. Now, it is New Year's Day, so you have to imagine that the police are probably on high alert, maybe still worried that people are, like, drunk driving and stuff. I was thinking maybe, because there was, like, 60 police cars that responded to this. People were saying, that I've never seen a response like this, even in Miami, even in this city. There's, like, really intense... Um you know, terror security around big holidays. Do you think they overreacted? That, or they thought it was a shooting. Maybe that was their first... Um, you report. Know, report because there's fireworks and screaming and stuff. But that doesn't explain some of the other alleged events that supposedly happened the same night. Ooh. TikTokers, such as the account Bro Bible, so you know it's serious, <laughs> shared that, quote, during all this craziness, police scanners were cut off, all plane flights were canceled, and more than 60,000 homes lost power due to this. However, Officer Michael Vega of the Miami Police told CBS News that, quote, there were no, no aliens, UFOs, or ETs, no airports were closed, no power outages. So rumors were spreading. Some people were saying that, oh, I was there and they, you know, were covering things up. And then some other people said that they were lying. And, you know, it's been a back and forth. And it hasn't stopped the speculation. Quote, I don't know if the rumors about the aliens at the Miami Mall are real, but I do know I've never seen this many police in one place, one Twitter user wrote, and no, I will not call it X. <laughs> Quote, everybody have cell phones, but nobody have an up-close video of the 8 to 10 foot alien by the Miami Mall, another user posted. Even Captain Kirk himself responded to the news. Oh. So apparently space aliens visited a mall in Miami, William Shatner tweeted, followed by a series of emojis. What what were the emojis? They were like pondering and like kind of curious ones and like maybe disbelieving ones. So he's into it. 
you know, he's Captain Kirk. He's got to respond to aliens, I guess. It is admittedly strange, as many have pointed out, that such a situation that warranted such a huge response. Um, no private citizens on the scene took video or at least have posted video from inside the mall or up close. Again, making many to cry cover up in this situation. So that's kind of the story right now. But couldn't that also just mean there wasn't anything interesting happening? Yeah, of course. But when have you seen people say, oh, this isn't that interesting. I'll put my phone away. Yeah, that's true. Especially when there's 60 police yeah, cars. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting enough. Um, so that is strange. But who knows? Um, well, it's it's fascinating, Carrie. I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> well, if uh, if nothing else happens between this week and next week, knock on wood, uh, we'll do our, our Nostradamus predictions. We'll do our Asperomancer predictions. We'll see how 2023's predictions uh, played out or not. I forgot about the Asperomancer. She what? She predicts the future by peeing on stuff? No, she throws the asparagus in the air and then they fall. It's kind of like... Um, the, e the E King. I Ching. No, no that's Paul. <laughs> uh, the she, I Ching. No, it's like um, casting bones, you know? Like yeah, yeah. Sticks. Or it's like consulting the, the I Ching. To, uh, I keep saying that honestly by accident, but to explain to the listener, I do flip our dog over sometimes and, and say I must consult the E-King. Yes, because he's a little king. Um, yeah, sure. It's like that. The, the I mean, ching is it's I like mean, yeah. you looking at Poe's belly and, and divining meaning, <laughs> as we all do. Uh, there's no word that I can find more meaning. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary and check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash scary. You can call us and leave a message at our Google Voice number, 203-666-5529. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. We'll be forever grateful. We certainly will be forever grateful. And special thanks to those of you already joining us on the top couple of Patreon tiers. Sean O'Donnell, Jared Chamberlain, Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, Comfy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, Christy Atchison, Kate Pope, Haley, Ryan, Enrique, Ira, Pete, Anna, and Delaney. I can't speak for Carrie, but you're my favorite people in the world. <laughs> See you next Thursday. Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan. You can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. Ain't It Scary has been brought to you by Killer Podcasts and is a production of Longboy Media. <coughs> Eking. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.